For so many modern-driven women, life is about being more than one thing. We're multidimensional, and so are our conversations. We carry multiple identities. We can be both mother and artist, both attorney and entrepreneur, both clinician and CEO, both humble and proud. Life for women like us is about both, about all of the above. It's about the and. Our stories are the stories of so many of you. We wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present with our families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. And we wanted to establish financial security for ourselves and our children. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other smart, conscious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And you're listening to the And She Spoke podcast. In our business, we're big fans of financial literacy and accountability. Knowing your numbers is an essential aspect of building a successful business and inherent responsibility for any entrepreneur. We also believe that what you focus on grows. So pay attention to your money. How do we stay up to speed on our numbers? We use Bench for our bookkeeping. It's simple, elegant, and saves us so many hours that would otherwise be spent neck deep in receipts on the other side of a spreadsheet. Each month, our transactions are automatically imported into Bench and we get on-demand financial reports. We even enjoy opening up our profit and loss statement to review each month. And when tax time comes around, we are up to date and ready to go. And this is what financial empowerment feels like. Head on over to anshe.co slash bench to save 20% off your Bench accounting plan for the first six months. Welcome to the Anshi Spoke podcast. Yay! I'm so excited about this episode, Sandy. So today we're diving into how to make better decisions and how to make decisions more quickly so that you don't waste your time spinning around and feeling confused and bewildered about all the choices you have in your life and business. Right. Here's where this came up for me. One of my coaches said something, and I can't stop thinking about it. And she said she believes that her power comes from her ability to make a decision. And then I thought, you know, God, that is so true. When you are an entrepreneur, actually, when you are a human, it doesn't even matter if you're in business or not, but there's always decisions. Like you are faced with decisions all day long. And if you say yes to something, it can be like incredible opportunity. But if you say no to something, there's also a source of power in that. Well, yeah. Right? And so if you think about how your decisions affect the way that you live and what you achieve, it's just like one of the most important skills that you can hone as an entrepreneur. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think this is something, at least for me, that's gotten easier as I've gotten older. I remember... I think, you know, when you're a teenager or in your early 20s, like I remember I had to talk to like 10 girlfriends before I could make a decision about something important. Mm-hmm. And I had to go, like whether it was about who to date or where to go to graduate school or whatever it was, it was always like there's but what about this? But then this could happen. And then what about this over here? And I remember like waiting, like having all these conversations and spinning around in my own mind and thinking that if I just talked about it enough, somehow 
I would get an epiphany where I would learn the correct answer. And I think what you learn as an adult is that there is no correct answer. And right. you're really limited in, as, a, as an entrepreneur and as a business owner, if you spin around in that place of indecision for too long, like you really sacrifice um, really important time, you know, in your business that, that's critical to your success. You lose mental energy, you lose momentum, you waste time. Like there is no reason to spin around and not sit in indecision. For me, when I look back, I agree that younger, it was much harder. And even when I had the stores in my previous business, I was such a people pleaser that I look back and I don't know that I ever made a decision. I'm sure I did for myself, but you know, like I was just like, what do you need? Okay, I'll do that. What do you need now? Okay, I'll do that. And they're just like ragdolling around with other people's decisions. And that is like the worst, like that is the least amount of power you can have when you operate from, from that, that kind of place. And so I love this idea of thinking like my ability to make decisions for me is my power is my power. I'm going to create the life that I want because of the decisions that I make. And so what I see, which is what you just referenced, Jenny, is that people agonize over a decision in fear of making the wrong decision. And I just don't think that they're like, who decides that it's wrong? Yeah. And I I think that's totally right. I think about it in my own life. And I remember I deferred graduate school and I deferred law school. And I, I'm thinking about when I was in my early twenties and I, I didn't know what the right choice was. And I felt like if I made the wrong choice, my whole life, the whole future life I had dreamed for of my dreamed of for myself would just disintegrate and I would be stuck in some other life. And now I realize I made the choices that I made, but if I had made other choices, I would still be probably a pretty happy, successful person. I would have had, I would have a different life and I would live in a different place maybe or whatever, but it doesn't really matter. And I think that we expect that, that there's this plan for us. I think we have like our culture teaches us, at least in Western culture, that there's some sort of divine plan for our lives. And our job is to figure out what that plan is and then execute on it. And I don't believe that anymore. I don't think there's a single or, or plan. Or we approach it like, there's a right and a wrong, like we're getting marked in an exam in school, like someone else knows what's best for us. Like this is, oh God, you did the wrong thing or like, yeah, you did the right thing. And what I really want to emphasize in this episode for everyone listening is that when you make a decision, the only way you not know if it's right or wrong is that you decide it is. Like that is your thought. Like if you made a decision, you can decide this is the right decision and you're going to go on that path and you're going to take the action that's required because of that decision. And that's it. That's you have your own back there. Or you could decide, did I, this is the wrong decision. And then that just spirals you into another sort of negative place. So I think it's so powerful to make a decision and then to decide that was the right decision. You decide that that is a thought that is optional and available to you at all times. Yeah. And if you're unhappy in your life, you can change. I think change is always available to us and transformation is always available to us. Which is another decision. It is another decision. But I just think like you're never going to be stuck in something. Like there's very little things that you can choose to take on that you can't come back from. And I mean, I obviously know that there are exceptions to this. So please don't send us emails about all of the exceptions to, you know, making a life choice you can't come back from. Obviously, you know, if you decide to have a child or something, That's different, but there are almost no, especially in your business, there are almost, there's almost nothing you can do that you can't change and reroute and have a change in course about. So just 
just, you know, make decisions quickly. That's our advice. And then pivot or change if you need to. Yeah. So we found an article in Fast Company that was called Five Ways to Make Tough Decisions. So we thought it would be helpful just to, because there's one thing to decide you're going to make a decision and decide that it's right. But like how sometimes you do need, I don't think you can just like decide, decide, decide. There are some decisions you need to take a moment, evaluate the information and then and then make the decision. So I just thought this article was kind of interesting how she laid out some of her ideas on how to go about the decision making process. Yeah. So the first thing in this article is to fall back on your values. And I love that this is the first element of decision making. And this is an article written by Elizabeth Grace Saunders, and we'll of course link to it in the show notes. But I, I mean, this is your North Star and your compass in your life, like who you are and what you stand for, what you what your values are should fundamentally decide the choices that you make. And this is, you know, this is what our digital artisan manifesto is about, Sandy. We have a set of values in our company that we use as our North, true North or our North Star. I don't know what the right yeah. analogy is. But in, so if there's ever a question, we just go back to the set of principles that we've consciously focused on and decided to adopt so that often those guiding principles will help us to make that choice. And the second point is talk it through. And I would add to this, like write it out. So sometimes to kind of un tangle all of your thoughts about this decision that you're facing to just talk to a friend or write out in a journal. In this article, she's saying it doesn't even need to be someone who's an expert in that area. It just needs someone who's going to be quiet and listen to you, you know, sort of weigh the pros and cons. If you have a therapist, this would be a great example (laughs) of how to use that person in your life because you don't even really need them to say anything back. I mean, that's like just somebody, a human being to sit there and be receptive and and focused and listening to you often is, is all you need. You know, ultimately what's right for you, right? In your life or your business. And I think this, this step is like, when you say that, Jenny, that's like listening to your intuition and your mind needs to be very quiet And it's to hear that whisper of intuition to help you make this decision. And if your mind is like a jumble of thoughts, this is where talking it out or or writing it out is going to quiet that mind so you can allow that that intuition, that whisper to come through. Hmm. Okay. And then the third point is to ask for perspective. So this is going back to asking people, you know, for advice or asking an expert for advice. And I think I would just urge you to use this sparingly. I think almost all of us that are women tend to overuse this. And this is what we were talking about at the beginning of the conversation, which is relying too heavily on the opinions of others when we're Mm -hmm. making our choices. Her fourth point is about testing it out first. So this doesn't work for all decisions, but if you can try something in a way before you can fully commit, like test driving a car, you know, that would be also helpful to know if, you know, which way is going to be the best for you. Sandy, this just reminds me of when we were in the accelerator, the B2B accelerator, and we were considering raising a significant amount of investment for our company, Namastream. And initially, I really had no idea what, what that experience would be like. And I think after four months of fundraising and 
going and having meetings with investors and VC firms, I quickly realized that I didn't want that to be my life. And you really respected that for me as the CEO of our company and that that wouldn't be what I would spend all my time doing. And that absolutely informed the decisions we've made about how to build and scale our business. And I, and I think that, you know, if we had not tried that on, we maybe would be always second guessing because we get emails like all the time from private equity firms and, and VC firms and angel investors um, reaching out about our business. And I would have been so freaking tempted to, I mean, it's so magical to have people offer you lots of money, right? For something that you've made and just have a tiny piece of it. I think that it, it, we would have had a really different outcome if we hadn't made that decision so consciously after testing out the experience of fundraising. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, in preparing for this episode, I, in my mind, I was thinking of more like small decisions that you face you know, I was sort of imagining our listeners, like all the tiny decisions that you face each day. But that's a great example of a massive, huge impact kind of decision that you yeah, that we were able to test. Yeah. And then the fifth point is to listen to your hopes. So this one is, I'm not so good at this one, Sandy. I don't know what you think about this, but I don't, I don't, I have a complicated relationship with hope. Um, this isn't really where my mind naturally goes. Yeah, I would agree. Like that word hope. I don't use that word hope. I think it's to me, this is like your intuition, like that hope, like, oh, I really want this. Like, I don't know. I think it's just that quiet, quiet voice inside your mind directing you. So yeah, or your like maybe your vision board. I think I would like that word hope, it bothers me so much because I want to have more agency in my yeah, life and like sitting back and hoping for something. But maybe it's this idea of making a vision board or a Pinterest board or sitting down and journaling about what you want your future self or your life in 10 years to look like. And then to match this choice or decision-making process to that metric. Like, does this align with this vision for my life that I have? Yeah, exactly. I think that's, that's, a, I think that's exactly what bothers me is like, oh, I hope this happens. And it's like, it's just the control is no longer yours. Like someone has to do this or the world has to deliver this to me. So, well, and that doesn't usually happen. No. Like, no. I hate to break it to you, listeners, that you're not going to sit back and hope and something magically is going to happen. There's so much that you can control and you can direct and you can encourage into your life that um, hope is, yeah, I wouldn't rely too much on that one. I don't think that that's an empowering place to live. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is an easy-to-use platform that helps you build and sell your own courses, memberships, and live-streamed programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. Unlike other startups, Namastream was created by women for women. If you're looking for a simple, streamlined way to build and grow an online business, you can learn more at namastream.com. So I just want to emphasize this again about deciding. So you are going, you have a choice and then you are going to take the time that you need and gather the data and sit with it. And then you're going to make a decision and it's always going to be the right decision because you've decided it is your thought that says it's right. So you decided that it's right. And then I really want people to think about this. So once they've decided, okay, I made the decision and a lot of people we see in our in our community and inner circle will go, God, I wish was that was that the right decision? 
And that moment right there, you need to catch that thinking because of course it's the right decision. You decided it's the right decision. You should love and honor yourself enough to have your own back in the decision that you made. If you, Jenny, as a friend were wrestling with a decision between A and B and you decided B, I am going to say, great job, super great decision, go with with decision B, right? I'm not going to be like, you know, geez, Jenny, did you, are you sure you made the right decision? I'm going to support what you decide. And I think it's almost to me like a a form of like self-care or self-love to have your own back when you made a decision to never stop and wonder, was that the right decision? Because that it's in the past, you've made it, it's done. You need to go forward with the right mindset about that decision. And like you said, you can make, you can, you can make more decisions and change your, your, your path, but never wonder, was that the right decision? Yeah, because it's futile. You're never going to know. There is no right. And you, your life and who you are would be fundamentally different if you had made, you know, turned left on the street instead of right when you were eight years old. I mean, it just like there's no point in second guessing this. I would say I think we're really good about this in our business. Mm -hmm. I mean, and because this podcast is about life and business, I would say we're excellent about this in our business. We hardly ever second guess things that we've done. We just make choices and we execute on our plans. And if something goes awry, we make other choices. And I think we hold each other accountable to that process really well. I would say though, personally, I wrestle with this one a lot with second guessing choices in my, in my life. Like for example, I move a lot and I think it's now I realize how unusual it is, like how many places I've lived and sort of different lives that I've tried on. And I realize that I'm always second guessing like these like really big life choices. Like, do I live in the right place? And now that I have, you know, a family and it's not just about me being some, you know, flittering around the planet, I, I recognize that, that my insecurity with decisions like that affect other people. And so I just need to own the fact that I've made the choice, these choices and this is where I live. And, and you can decide it's the I right choice, the right place to just live. Just decide it's yeah. fine. It's a fine choice. Like it does, I don't even need to think about it as right. It's just like, it's fine. Perfect. Like I, it's, it's perfect. I've just, you make it work, mm-hmm. right? And so I don't know if other people struggle with that, but I just wanted to sort of air that laundry on the show because it's not just because you're good at this in one aspect of your life. For example, as an entrepreneur doesn't mean you're necessarily as skilled in, in your personal life. So, or vice versa, right? Like you may be super confident with your life choices and then very shaky in your business. Yeah, it's interesting that it's it's different between personal and business. But you know where we, I agree that now we are very good at making decisions. But I remember last year we were deciding about this podcast and the path of it and like changing the name to the new, you know, the and she spoke and we couldn't decide. And it felt terrible, right? Like we would spin in circles with our logic. Should we or shouldn't we? And it wasn't until December when we, with our inner circle community, set big audacious goal. And one of our goal was around the podcast. And that just forced us into having to make decisions. And so it's so interesting. Like we could have made this decision last spring when we had all the branding done, but we didn't. We couldn't decide. And I think that's such a a place of, of to operate from such weakness. Like we made a decision and we've decided what we're doing. We're going to make it work. Like absolutely hundred percent. We're not going to look back. We're not going to wonder if we should have started it in a different way. We're going to just make this work. And I see it in our clients too. Like I love the, I don't, I, I don't know if I, this is the right phrase, but I was going to, I love it when people say they write into the inbox and they say, I'm trying to decide if I should join your program 
I'm trying to decide if that's the right decision. And I'm like, but it's, it is the right, if you decide, then it is the right decision. Like there's nothing to ponder, like, you know, gather the information, make the decision. But then once, like, I don't want to make the wrong decision. It's like, that's impossible. That, that is actually impossible to make the wrong decision. Yeah. Well, and sometimes, I mean, I'm surprised at how often we get a message like that or it's sister message, which is, I have a hard time sticking through, keep like keeping my mm. commitments to things. And I've signed up for lots of programs and coaches and I've never stuck with anything. And so can you tell me why I would be more likely to stick with what you offer? And I just, I, I mean, I don't know what is going through someone's mind when they that, write that. That is yeah. a victim. That is a hundred percent victim. Wow, that's really your choice. Like, like no outside person or coach or program or course or platform is going to keep you committed. Like you get to decide. I mean, you have the mentors and guides and coaches that come in and out of your life and how you choose to interact and commit in that process is a hundred percent up to you. And so, yeah. Yeah. But that person is looking at it as like, what are you doing for me? Like these programs didn't work. They didn't like it's, they've given up all of their power to the other groups or programs or whatever coaches. So yeah, that one fascinates me. And I wish I could have a face-to-face conversation with those people versus having to do an email re- reply because it's so much harder, right? But that is difficult to, to listen to quite well, honestly. Well, no, I'm, I mean, I'm just thinking about it and I'm thinking about you and I starting up software companies and I think about so many of the other choices and commitments I've made. And my husband always likes to say, like if I'm going to sign up for a program or commit to something that I'll just, I'll, I'll do it. I'll rock it. I'll make the thing. I'll be the star of the program or whatever. He just is always like, yeah, if you sign up, you're going to like, I don't even have a doubt because it's, and I said that I would say this a lot about my students that I've had or clients that I've had, like they could have had any teacher or any professor or any coach or any mentor. It wouldn't have mattered. It's them and their drive that they have inside of them. It doesn't really matter. You know, I mean, obviously there's better coaches and better teachers and better structures, but it's really about the drive and the commitment of the individual, right? And and like you put that person Mm -hmm. in any program and they're going to, you know, soak the marrow out of it and you know, and rocket. And I think that that's just, it's a character trait. And I think it's something that can be developed over time. And it has a lot to do with your intention and your, your ability to commit to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I think this comment to bring it back to the beginning is like your power comes from your ability to make decisions. And that's such a great example, right? Like everything that you face is basically under your control. Like even if something horrible happens outside, you get to decide how you're going to show up in that situation. If, you know, illness and death and all these horrible things that we all must face at times, you decide how you're going to no, show up. I know, like you didn't. I know, but people are going to push back on us for this. I, I will say that I do think, Sandy, that some people have more capacity to deal with hardship than others, like the way that you're wired You know, I remember, and I think I've told this story on the show before, but I remember when I was in my, so first of all, my dad died very suddenly and tragically when I was in college. And then when I was in law school, my mom was diagnosed with stage four cancer in right around Thanksgiving time. And, um, and she was given six months to live and ended up living about four months. It was wretched and awful. And I still finished law school. I mean, I still, you know, I, I, it was awful. It was the worst time of my life. 
but I still, I had, I mean, I definitely scaled back on my commitments and I like all kinds of extraneous things I was doing, but I still graduated. I had one class I had to take extra in the summer. And so instead of graduating in May, I graduated in August, but I, I mean, my life went on and I was fundamentally a different person and I was changed, but I remember teaching the next, and I went straight into teaching after I graduated. I, I was a an instructor, a professor at my school. And I remember a student the next year in one of my courses, her grandmother had passed away and she was out for like three weeks, four weeks. She didn't do her final paper. And she, you know, she was really upset that, um, and it was like a group project. And I, I basically failed her <laughs> because she didn't do her work and, you know, it affected her group. And she came to my office and just was crying and telling me how I like had such a lack of compassion and she didn't, and I didn't understand what she had been through. And I was just like, you know, you have to take responsibility. We all have hard things. And I think I came across as a total ice queen in that situation, but I wanted to be, and I didn't say this, but I wanted to say like, I lost my mom last year and I still did everything I signed up for, you know? And if I didn't, I would have taken responsibility and taken the fail and then figured out how to fix it. Like I wouldn't have gone crying to my professor's office. And I just, I was so at the time and I was younger than I was just like, to be honest, disgusted because I just wouldn't have behaved that way. And I couldn't relate to it. And, you know, in retrospect, I, I realized that we all have different situations and we have different experiences, you know, and I had already been through the loss of one parent. And I think I had sort of learned. And, and I also was like, this is your grandmother, not even your parent. And I was, so, you know, so I was repulsed, <laughs> which says something about me that I don't necessarily feel proud of. But I, I just felt like, God, get it together, girl, you know, and, and she was like, we're almost the same age and like you're handling it like this and you have no idea what I've been through, lady. But I also understand like we are wired differently, Sandy, and we have different capacities emotionally to, to take on things. And I had had like so seven years of therapy at that point when my mom got sick because of what happened to my dad. And so I had maybe a greater capacity and understanding of how to process what was going on. And so I just also want to say, like, I understand that people come to experiences differently and have different skills to deal and process difficult situations. But I do think we're all capable of acquiring those same skills and learning how to process difficult situations. So I would have handled that situation differently now you know, with somebody who was really young going through something hard, but because I was young and I had had such similar experiences, I didn't have as much compassion. Yeah. I feel, still think it all comes down to decisions though. Like what, <laughs> how do you handle it? It's still a decision. Yeah, if you still have sure, choice there. Sure. But I do think that, you know, there are things that some people are not capable of handling. Like I try to think about, you know, those families where there's, lot of drug abuse or other terrible situations that happen, violence in the home and how there's children, right? And some some of those children come out of even the same family and they're relatively f normal and productive members of society. And then there's like the kids that don't, 
right? And I just think there's something in how that person is wired too that affects their ability to handle difficult things. And so I don't, I'm not a psychologist and I'm not a therapist and I don't understand how all of that works, but I've just seen it, right? Like why, you know, it's so interesting to look, it's like an experiment to look at these seemingly the same childhood and see how people react. And I do think that there's agency and decision involved, but like there's maybe other stuff that I don't understand. Okay, well, after that heavy conversation, let's go ahead and transition into the joy and hustle. And since that was a little intense, let's do the hustle first. So for today's hustle, I want to talk about my favorite new planner. And I know, gosh, every year we're always talking about a different planner or productivity tool, but such is life and people evolve. And I love trying new things. And so this year, my planner is the Flourish Planner by Bonnie Christine. It comes with a companion online course on how Bonnie plans out her schedule and her work-life balance. And I love this planner. It's it's so freaking heavy, but it is the most beautiful planner I've ever had in my- Heavy as in weight. Like I would never carry this around. Like this stays Uh, like anchored on my desk, but in terms of like planning out my month and my quarters and my days, like it's just the most beautiful thing. They're like these gold foil. I'm going to show you, Sandy, because you can see. There's like gold foil stickers and these little- these little tabs and it's just, it's just the most beautiful thing. And I, I just think there's something about having beauty in your daily life. Like I, it's this like linen covered, beautiful desk planner and it's so analog. And I love, I mean, most of all of my appointments and schedules in our, in my Google calendar, which you and I share calendars and, um, but this idea that I can just sort of do my tasks and plan out my schedule also in this very analog version is really powerful. And I've always used a, a printed planner, but this is by far just the most elegant one I've ever had. So I highly recommend it. And I don't know, they might be sold out, but I'll link to it. And the companion online course is also lovely. And I just love this idea of hybrid digital and analog where, I mean, I think this is, we've talked about this before. This is like the future of commerce and the future of culture, which is like this hybrid. And so this idea that I have this tactile, beautiful, I love the way it feels, this thing in my hands. And then I can watch an online course that shows me sort of how to use it is just amazing. And did you go through the course? Like, was it, was it really helpful? Well, I liked it. (laughs) I mean, I have my own way that I plan my stuff, Mm -hmm. right? So I think that if you were new to sort of productivity and planning, it would be really useful, but I, I like actually really enjoyed it. And I think it's only like an hour long. All it's like Mm, a bunch of videos, but it adds up to like one hour. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then the joy this week is a person who I've kind of fallen in love with. Her name is Cleo Wade. And I discovered her because of the Netflix series Shine On by Reese Witherspoon that you introduced me to. And she has a bunch of different episodes, but one of them, she talks to Cleo Wade. She is an author and an artist, and I've been meaning to pick up one of her books. And now having mentioned her here, I will do so. I just think she is this beautiful thinker and I love her message. I love what she says. I love her art. And I just love, even in that episode, I love what she's wearing as dumb as that is. I just like, she just seems like this amazing, amazing person. So I think everyone should follow her. It's Cleo Wade, no space. And I'm going to read the book and then we'll make that a joy. Excellent. Yeah, I love her work as well. And I I think she's pretty influential as a poet and as a thinker and an artist to a lot of a lot of people and a, a voice of sanity in this kind of crazy culture we're living in. So all right, folks, we will see you next week. 
All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Jenny. Ready to go from, I really want to build an online business, but don't know where to start, to, wow, I've just sold my first digital product. That's exactly what we're going to help you do during our free Become an Online Teacher course. We've created a simple five-day email-based course to teach you everything you need to get started as an online teacher. By the end of the week, you'll have a digital product that's mapped out, priced, and ready to offer your community. Head over to soulful.mba slash teacher to sign up. It's totally free.